The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. I come into this week with mixed emotions. The bad part of that emotions will wear off this week. The great part of the emotions, I hope it doesn't wear off for a long time. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner. Travion Berklin is in the other studio. He's running the board today. Wyatt Thompson will join us from Ames, Iowa here in just a moment. The bad part of my emotions I'm talking about is the Dallas Cowboys. They're probably never going to make an NFC championship again. I'm convinced now. I know it took 30 years to convince me. Maybe not 30 years, more like 26, but you know what I mean. Oh, I might have to uh, get some stuff on my chest later on. I know this is Wildcat Insider, but uh, better now than uh, later down the road. But the great thing that's taking place right now, my God, I love this. What a ride it's been so far. And just a notch on the old belt once again is now the ranking where K-State falls into fifth in the AP in coaches poll after wins last week over then-second-ranked KU and Texas Tech on Saturday. Once again, welcome into Wildcat Insider. Wyatt Thompson will be joining us from Ames, Iowa in the second hour. We will be joined by uh, Troy Coverdale. We will also be joined by K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor. Get his thoughts on the run that K-State's been making so far, plus a volleyball hire was made just a few weeks ago in Jason Mansfield. We're now joined by Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Wildcats, Hall of Fame voice of the Wildcats. Wyatt, you just got to Ames not too long ago. How was the travel? Smooth? Yeah, it really was smooth, actually. And the weather here is not all that different uh, than what you're experiencing in Manhattan. Kind of overcast, high in the uh, low 20s. We had a little sunshine when we first landed, but the farther north we came, the darker it got. <laughs> but uh, overall, it's pretty typical. Windy and cold in Ames, Iowa. Not, not stunning, right? No, not really. And uh, I, I tell you what, I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this yet, but uh, what's it like traveling with this crew? Because you've, you've, you've traveled with a, you know, a number of coaches during your you know, 20 years, 20-plus years here at Kansas State as you've been the play-by-play announcer, or play-by-play broadcaster, I should say. But what's it like traveling on the road with Coach Tang and this crew? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, it's been a blast. And it is because there are so many people and new faces to learn, right? And you and you kind of get a little bit of that from different guys pretty much on each trip. I think the trip to the Cayman Islands was, was clearly my favorite, but in part because we were there for basically four days, played three games, and so you're getting a little bit of taste of all of it. But, you know, between the travel and the radio shows and that, um, you, you just are starting to get to know the young guys better, the coaches better. Um, and, and, you know, you've been around it enough to know that this has been a very, very fun season. These guys are excited about where they're at, but are convinced that there is still improvement to be made, that they haven't played their best basketball yet and those kind of things. 
and I think all of us would certainly be excited uh, to hear that, right? I mean, they really are um, a very interesting and competent crew right now, and yet they also, in the same breath, and I have to say this, they know how hard the league is and how hard it will be here tomorrow night, even though most of these guys haven't been here before. But it's been a blast, Mitch. It has. Now, I, I of course, used to, I traveled for five seasons with K-State soccer, so I kind of got the uh, idea of what it's like to travel with the you know, Division One team, what it's like to be on the road with them, all the meals. And As a matter of fact, you and uh, Stan was talking to Jerome Tang about eating on the road. What, what is usually the, uh, the pregame meal the night before? What's usually on the menu? Well, for the most part, um, I would tell you that it's usually someplace pretty nice uh, where we are somewhat secluded generally speaking it's probably going to be a uh, either like a steak meal or or chicken or something like that um the the guys that like like phil are by our strength and conditioning coaches as you might surmise very into um eating properly mm-hmm. hydrating properly uh eating and drinking the right kinds of things uh so this isn't like uh not picking on anyone, but but Taco Bell or McDonald's or anything like that. It, it's it's a little bit higher end than that. And uh, again, uh, these guys, I think they realize how lucky they are in, in eating in some of these kind of places. We've had some amazing uh, meals on on uh, our trips so far this year. Really, everywhere we go, frankly. Speaking with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and of course he's joining us from Ames, Iowa. Top 15 matchup tomorrow, Hilton Coliseum, Cats, and Iowa State. We'll talk about that matchup a little bit later, but I first want to recap just the last week of men's basketball. It's been another fun ride, another 2-0 week as the Cats remain undefeated at home at 11-0. The Jayhawk game, of course, on Tuesday. House is packed. Student section was full, you know, 30 minutes or so before tip-off. And it was such a rowdy environment. And honestly, there, there to me, there was just a just so many storylines that there's no way we'd be able to get them get to them all. But I think we could all agree that we probably saw this game had to come down to the final couple of minutes. Just so happens it came down to an extra five minutes, but the final play of the of the game would decide things. But I wanted to get your reaction of another home game offensively capped off with an alley-oop dunk from Marquise Noel to Keontae Johnson for one of the loudest eruptions we had of the night. Well, I think that um, is a play that will stand out for a very long time in in K-State fans' mind just because of the jaw-dropping efforts uh, of, of Keontae, certainly. Uh, the catch and the flush, but but my goodness, there's really, I mean, I don't know that it was as athletic as the one that he had against Oklahoma State, but it was such a big basket. It was so well pulled off, um, went to a different look, and then you get the defensive play in the final 12 seconds to, to finish it off. It was a hard game, Mitch, and it was a game where there was such emotion really on both sides. You know, K-State, I should say KU, they've talked a lot about it, and and I get it, but they talked about dealing with a lot of foul trouble after the game, but I think people forget you know, that Keontae set for a long time uh, in that second half, and K-State kind of held even with them, and that was really a key thing. You look at the special night that Jalen Wilson had with 38. I mean, he went 12 of 25, made three threes, and was 11 of 12 at at the free throw line, and yet I thought uh, 
you know, the game really, neither team shot anywhere near 50%. It was 43% for Kansas, 42% for K-State. I mean, the numbers were about as even as you could possibly get. And it's just one of those games that, like you said, you just kind of knew after KU made a run, after K-State led early in the game, uh, that that uh, I think K-State's biggest lead was 14, was about eh, roughly nine and a half minutes to go in the first half. But they, you knew they were going to come back, and then and the game was going to be decided pretty late. And as you say, an extra five, it took an extra five to do it. It, it was a it was a really fabulous ball game. I, I think I've heard a lot of people say this. If if you didn't have, you know, a dog in the fight and you just sat down to watch a really good college basketball game, that'd be a cool one to see, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminded me so much of the 2010 game when College uh, Game Day was here. And, yeah. and KU at that time was number two in the country. K-State was, I think, top 15, maybe 13, just like the Cats were last week. But uh, it went over time. We thought K-State might get a run out at the end of regulation and maybe score a game-winning bucket. And unfortunately, Keontae Johnson missed that shot, and he, and he wasn't found, in my opinion. But uh, you, you mentioned the box score and how even this game was. It's, it's incredible how even this game was in a lot of statistics, but one pretty important lopsided stat here was bench points, and K-State won that 31-8. to The next question goes in the direction of Desi Sills. Without his 24 points, his three-point shooting, and also getting to the rim, I thought he was one of the best finishers at the rim. Last Tuesday, without Desi Sills, that is a tough one to win. That's something K-State's been needing as well, a guy to come off the bench and really perform well. Well, here's, the I think, the thing that, that, that I will take from it. I mean, you, you had Keontae with the stuff and the 24-8 and eight in 34 minutes and overcoming, you know, foul trouble there for a little bit. But KU, I thought, did a really good job of making it hard for Marquise Noel, and they were not going to let him get a lot of penetration and, and kick kind of plays. Um, and, and so somebody had to take up the slack. Clearly, that somebody was Desi. And, and what I loved about it, Mitch, and I'm sure you'll concur with this, he did it in so many ways. Deflections, defense, step-back threes, that, that driving play, and he is left-handed, but that driving play clear off the top of the backboard with the left hand, uh, heavily guarded. I mean, you just, <laughs> as a player, I'm, I'm sure you you dream of those kind of nights, and he was special. There's no other way to say it. He was spectacular. Now, another part of the game I thought was incredibly important, um, even you know, you know, KU, with if you take away Grady Dick's stats, uh, yeah. I, the, the three-point shooting isn't anything amazing. They're actually slightly below average as a team when it comes to the rest of the country in uh, in three-point shooting. We know KU didn't have much of a bench. But e- just also, if you want to compare the Texas Tech game, K-State protecting the perimeter and making sure that the hot shooters don't have a lot of room to shoot. I don't know about you, but I just felt like the last couple of days, I've seen more... I, I'm I'm trying I'm struggling to think of the word to uh, explain it, but just more effort, I guess, to really close out and make sure that there's not a lot of space for those shooters to shoot. Well, I don't know if everybody would know this, but maybe this will surprise you. Maybe it won't. It's a very interesting subject because K State has played 19 games, and in those 19 games, opponents are shooting 28.9 percent from three. So they do guard the three ball pretty well. Their overall defense is at 41-6, which is 
not dominant, but it's pretty good. Uh, and I, I think the real key for this group, and, and again, I, as I said before, I think they feel like they haven't arrived. I think they feel like they can play better. They're getting better. Um, having David Gasson back is big, even though he didn't do a lot Saturday. You, you think that it's going to be pretty obvious that he'll have bigger roles moving forward here uh, because he was a starter there for, for a pretty good little stretch before he hurt his ankle. Uh, so that also, you know, kind of improves things. But when this team gets paint touches, um, they're pretty good. And when they are in the neighborhood in the rebounding, and they're not a, a, the best rebounding team in the league by any stretch, but when they do those two things, they seem to have pretty good success. And the rebounding is big because the Texas Tech game, I think, is the perfect example they weren't rebounding well early, and thus they got nothing in transition points. So they were relying early on the threes, and then when that kind of went away, it was a struggle for a while, and thus you're down 33-28 at half. So th- this is a really good club, but I, again, they have to do a lot of things well and, and are doing a lot of things well to win games. Yeah, perimeter defense has been very good, hel- holding KU to 6 of 29 for 20.7%. And also against Texas Tech on Saturday, uh, held uh, holding the Red Raiders to seven of 29, 24.1 percent. All right, Wyatt, uh, we'll, we'll continue on with more about K State basketball when we come back. A couple of questions going into the Texas Tech game. Plus, Cats are ranked in the top five, and we'll also talk about Iowa State, their next opponent tomorrow night. Coming up next on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner, voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, joining us via the phone in Ames, Iowa, as the Cats and Cyclones tip off tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Pre-game will start at 7 o'clock here on KMAN. Manhattan High Hoops taking on Emporia will be online only at newsradiokman.com. Cats are 17-2, and 6-1 and in conference play, alone at the top of the leaderboard. And by the way, fifth ranked now in the country, best ranking since the uh, the 2010-2011 season. Uh, also beating KU 83-82 in overtime in a win on Saturday against Texas Tech 68-58. And uh, again, once again, joined by Wyatt Thompson. The Texas Tech game, I felt like, man, that was a really, really good defensive performance. Meanwhile, on the offensive side of things, maybe kind of a tale of two halves, really. And especially somebody like Keontae Johnson, who finished with 15 points, 13 of that in the second half. But also it was great to see why Marquise Noel hit some of those big shots once again, and, and he had a you know a 23-point day. Yeah, it was a really good uh, second half for sure for K-State. I, I felt like they got off to a decent start in the first couple of minutes, and then Tech kind of, you know, had it their way for a little while, and they go up, you know, five at halftime with that wild shot to end the half on the three-pointer, and you're not feeling great at that particular time, but, you know, 20 minutes later, I mean, you're looking at the numbers. Tech goes 11 of 40 in the second half for 27.5%, 3 of 20 from three-point range for 15%, and 0 for 3 at the free throw line. Think about those numbers for a little bit and, and how hard it was. Um, uh, it's just, it just was an impressive game for K-State from that perspective. Uh, I, I thought their defense and their effort in the second half was extraordinarily good. 
Yeah, K-State outscored Texas Tech in the second half, 40-25, to after being down five uh, at the break and uh, also didn't help Texas Tech hit a half-court Banked in three-pointer to have that five-point lead at the half, but I love the defense. Pop Isaacs, who I noticed is now in the top five in the Big 12, when it comes to Big 12 play and shooting percentage from three, he was, uh, as I look at the final numbers here, three of 11 from three. He had to really work to get open for those three-point shots. Speaking of the three, Wyatt, i got to bring up Ish Masood. So in the last five games, Ish is averaging just under nine points a game, but he's shooting 58%. From three point range, just two turnovers, yeah. and I know the the team was calling it uh, calling him Big Twelve ish after the game. But I got to say, like I think he's impressing everybody right now. He's playing his best basketball right now, and he's re- they've really figured out his role, and they're using it to the best of their ability. They're setting up the three point shot. By the way, it's also his defense. I think has really stepped up. Well, I think the key to what you said there was 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 him kind of understanding and really probably even before the understanding defining a role and then trying to to quote perfect it and i i go back for him uh, early in the year remember there were a few games there where he really didn't even see the floor and then all of a sudden the game at texas happened and he made a couple of shots and i thought his effort was good you know he wasn't perfect but he really busted his hump right and he's kind of done that ever since. He's a unique talent because he's 6'9". Um, he's probably just, in all honesty, more of a, you know, a small forward or, you know, a, he, he can play a little bit of the four. And where is K-State playing him a lot of the times right now? And especially Saturday, uh, just just because of the, the way the game went, he was the five-man a lot. And just the way he's competed on the glass and, and tried to defend and those kind of things, in addition to hitting shots, I think has really made him store in confidence. And golly, when you get, when you got uh, guys like uh, Coach Tang and Marquise uh, coming up with different names for you because you're playing so well, that's a pretty cool thing, right? Do you like the Big 12-ish thing? Big 12-ish thing? Oh, yeah, I love it. I like, especially, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a very positive nickname. It, it's, yeah. you know, he's playing his best basketball at the most important time of the season. Well, I'm glad you said it that way, too, because here's the the reality of it, okay? Ish has played in 15 games. He's averaging 5.3 points per ballgame, right? But when you look at the Big 12 in seven games, his minutes are up at 18.5. He's averaging 7.4 points, a couple of rebounds, shooting 44%. Mitch, he's made 12 of 23 threes in Big 12 play. That's 52%. Yeah. Yeah, he's shooting it very well, and and they're 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 finding him in a sweet spot. He loves to shoot it from the wing, um, and even you know when K State was finishing the game off on a run, you know it was tied at fifty. Then it's a twelve to two run for K State to build that lead. I mean, Ishma sued with no hesitation. Like I think I, I'm seeing also just his confidence go sky high with no hesitation. He turns and shoots a fadeaway baseline jumper and sinks it. How about that? I mean, it, that, that was a great shot. To me, that's his second best shot of the year. What would you say was his first? The, sh- the three-pointer for me that he made at Baylor where you oh, had well, to look at yeah. it, it was so pure it yeah. barely moved the net. I mean, to, to me, that's kind of where, I mean, I think his confidence was getting better, and then the, when, when the Baylor game happened and he hit that shot, he just he just took it to a different level, in my, in my opinion. 
Yes, of course, who could forget the game winner that Ish Masood hit against oh. Baylor? I mean, uh, well, I tell you what, though, he did hit a three that I, he, he had barely caught the ball before he shot it. I was like, his hands aren't even set on the ball. Like, that didn't look like it was a comfortable shot. And he knocked it down like it was no issue. I was like, man, this that, that's when you know a kid is hot. It's like he barely catches the ball and shoots it, and it goes in. Yeah, and, and I think, again, you go back to the word confidence because – you referenced the turnaround baseline jump shot from Saturday. Dude, you've seen some basketball. That was a difficult, contested shot, and it was nothing but net. Um, I just loved it. I thought it was one of the real cool key plays of, of a really hard-fought win. That was a hard game Saturday. Um, maybe not in the last you know six or seven minutes, but... Before that, it, it was pretty much a battle, man. K-State really had to fight to get that one. Yeah, and especially you know, defensively, they were doing everything right, but offensive rebounds, Tech started to kill them, really. It, it got really tough there, and Tech even, you know, they out-rebounded K-State offensively 23-10, to but if you look at second-chance points, Tech had 19, K-State had 14. That is still a high number at 19, but, you know, maybe that's what you mentioned earlier with David Gasson coming back and K-State finally being fully healthy and having that extra big man. You know, when you we're about to enter the second half of the schedule when it comes to Big 12 play, that's where depth really comes into key and it comes into play. It's a big key. It'd be great to see David Gasson really have a breakout against Iowa State. Um I guess we could jump to that. Let's jump to Iowa State because I know that, uh, and of course you're in Ames to call the game tomorrow here at here on K-Man via the K-State Sports Network, um, that we do know that Iowa State's going to be without a couple of guys. Caleb Grill and, and Jazz Koontz most likely will be out be out for this game, but you know, uh, is it Gabe, Gabe Kalsher, Gabe Croucher? I can't remember how to say his name. Kalsher, yes. Well, he's one of the best three-point shooters in Big 12 play right now. Um, give us some keys and some thoughts on this uh, Iowa State team in this game tomorrow. Well, it's really, I think, an interesting thing. We don't know for sure that Grill will miss the game, but it does sound a little bit iffy. And that, you know, he's their starting, one of their starting guards, their two guard, and he, you know, he's a pretty good shooter, 38% from three as an example. Uh, that, that's significant. Jazz Koontz has been out a little while, and that's why it's so important that Kalsher's been as good as he's been. Because I'm just telling you, <laughs> when you when you look at his numbers, he, he's been, I mean, better than good. I'm going to just pull out my chart here real quick and give you an idea. 42% from the floor, 36% from three. But on the year, 12.8 points, okay, you're saying, yeah, that's pretty good. 17.9 in Big 12 play. That's when the games are harder, and the good ones really step up and give you more. And with Koontz out, and Koontz, he has not played for seven games. Um, his last game was mid-December, the 18th against Western Michigan, a uh, little broken bone in his hand, and he's going to come back at some point, but probably not quite yet. Here's the thing you need to know, though, up and above and beyond Gabe Kalsher. Jaron Holmes, a, a transfer from St. Bonaventure, and a former teammate of his at St. Bonaventure is kind of an interesting name here, Oshun, Oshun EE. Uh, both have really played quite well. Holmes is a 36% three-point shooter and a very solid defender. 13 points a game, three and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, just kind of just a good quality player. And then they're getting good play out of their freshman point guard team in Lipsy. It's not the, the deepest team in the world, especially with Jazz Koontz out. 
but uh, they'll fight you. They're twenty four and five at home in the last two years, but ten and zero this year. There's there's your key. They they haven't lost at home yet. And uh, after getting bit Saturday, where they blew a fourteen point lead in Stillwater, kind of got to figure they'll be cut in and ready to go tomorrow. Yeah, if you haven't heard about uh, Caleb Grill, for those listening. Um... It was reported by Randy Peterson today from the Des Moines Register. He's doubtful for today. Back injury that he suffered, I guess, during the uh, the Oklahoma State game on Saturday, which Iowa State did lose. K-State right now alone in the in Big 12 play because of that loss for Iowa State and, of course, KU losing to TCU. But, you know, I maybe wonder if that's karma for undercutting uh, Dylan Mitchell in the Texas game a week ago. But uh, I suppose we'll never know. But uh, that was a pretty dirty move, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, but yep. Caleb Grill's doubtful, so is uh, Jazz Koontz, uh, like you mentioned. Yeah, I read that too. He's probably still yeah, a game, maybe two games, maybe three games away from coming back, but he's probably getting pretty close. But I will say, Koontz had the big game against K-State in Ames last year. It was Caleb Grill who had a huge game from three against the Cats in Manhattan. So those would be two guys that kind of hurt K-State last year that would be missing yeah. from this game. Right. Yeah, and again, what you do fight is is the here's the thing I should probably mention too. Okay, most of the time in recent memory, Iowa State has been known for what offense. Think about this number or a couple of numbers here. We're not, this isn't just a ten or twelve game deal here. This this is you know eighteen games in for them. They are giving up only fifty eight point six points per game. And opponents are shooting 40.4% against them. I mentioned Oshun EE and Jaron Holmes, Lipsy, those guys, plus guys like Trey King, Robert Jones, Hassan Ward off the bench are all pretty good defensive guys. So they'll have to guard, especially if, if Grill and Coons are both out. And But, but I, I think they will. <laughs> if K-State hits some shots, though, I think they have a good chance to win. You, you realize they've won two times in a row here in Ames? Yes, I was, I, was, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. You know, I think even down the stretch, <laughs> yeah. even though you know, Bruce Weber wasn't great for in the last three years, they were winning games in Ames. Uh, but also, I mean, shout-out to, to Otzelberger, who, you know, he comes in after a COVID year, first-year head coach, and – has a bunch of transfers come in after a two-win season or something for Iowa State and gets him to an NCAA tournament as an 11 seed. And But that kind of leads me to my, a couple of my last questions here, Wyatt, that the Cats are now fifth-ranked team in the country. You know, coach Tang, first-year head coach, first-year uh, best start for a K-State coach in their first year ever. And, of course, you know the cliche question would be, you know, you just never saw this coming. Of course we did. Nobody saw this kind of start coming at 17-2. and two. But kind of the word of the uh, word of the week last week, I thought was resilience. If you think about the kind of games K-State has won and, and been down and come back and win, they always find a way to win, it seems like, other than maybe a couple of games. Is that the best well, word to describe K-State resilience? I think resilience and toughness are the, are the, the ones that, that come to the forefront for me because in the conference, you, you have to be tough when those games I – mean, Mitch, we, when we went into last weekend, the margin of difference in Big 12 games this year was 7.1 points per game. That's it. That's it. Seven-point difference between winner and loser in all of those games. And I'm not sure exactly what it is now, but I heard Fran Prashill on, on the Big 12 radio say this morning, too, that 
in, in any other league, how well do you think West Virginia and Texas Tech would be doing? I think pretty good. So I think they've, they've had to be tough in games, and good teams win hard games. And K-State has done that for the most part. They didn't play great against ECU and admitted they didn't and admitted that the Frogs deserved to win. They were off a little bit at Butler, didn't have the kind of juice they normally have. But if they're going to be pretty darn good, 17 of every 19, write me down. I'm good with it. Right? I mean, yeah. they, they, that's the thing. And again, that goes to when you win hard games and you're, you know, you've won four overtime games and those kind of things, it does build confidence. And they are confident right now. Could, could you lose it in a, in a week? Sure. And, and think about this stretch. Okay? I mean, you've got, and I'm not even talking about Florida on Saturday at home. I mean, you've got, this game here tomorrow night, and then what? At Kansas, then Texas, then TCU. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a pretty good feel for maybe even better than, than what we're doing now in feeling like we know what this club's all about. Yes, we'll I, 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 I totally agree. I feel like the next two weeks, from this Tuesday to two weeks from Tuesday, there's five yeah. games in there, also Florida coming in on Saturday. Uh, K-State is going to face, I think, their f- toughest five-game stretch is starting right now, starting tomorrow night in Ames, Iowa. You're playing in the two toughest places to play in the Big 12, other than, of course, here in Manhattan. And, um, and of course, like you mentioned, TCU is also coming back to town. Texas is coming back to town. The Longhorns want revenge. Those are going to be really tough games, plus in the House of Pain, Allen Fieldhouse. So... Uh, speaking of KU, that is a team that is really trying to get its mojo back offensively. Um, after losing to K-State in overtime, they come back and just get throttled by TCU in a final score nobody thought was going to happen, 83-60. to KU always comes back. They did it last Saturday against TCU. But now they play at Baylor. It's a quick turnaround against the 17th-ranked Bears. I just want to get a prediction of who you think has the upper hand tonight. Well, I think you certainly favor Baylor just because of the last couple of weeks. I mean, KU's, I mean they're still 16-3. and three. They're, They got hammered and, and went over two in a week for the first time in, in a long, long time. I get all of that. But the thing, the thing you have to guard against here is, and you said it, the quick turnaround for them. You're playing Saturday afternoon at home, and then boom, Monday night you're on the road at Baylor against one of the better shooting teams in the league. That's a that's a hard turn. Um, I favor Baylor because they're at home, and when their guards are making shots, they are tough. They they weren't when we saw them. There was a little bit of good fortune for us there in that Crier was just coming back from injury, and maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree, uh, a couple of other guys. Um, but they're they're kind of kicking it now. Um, <laughs> they they they've been a little Jekyll and Hyde, if you all know the truth, right? I mean, they started league play zero and three, and now they've won four in a row. So whatever whatever ailed them, uh, they've kind of got it figured out now. I, I think you have to favor Baylor in this one, even as slight as it might be. And they're they're eight eight and two at home, and one of those losses to K State. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, hard yeah, and then after Baylor, I think KU don't they go to uh, they're going to Kentucky, right? So that's yeah. and that's a Kentucky team that's been playing better. They're, they're, they've won their last three games. They beat fifth ranked Tennessee just uh, just about a week ago, and 
Yeah, it's yeah, going to be you said that perfectly because everybody. I mean, a week ago, everybody had already thrown them out with the bathwater. Yep. Right. And I, I think that was a mistake. Uh, and, and by the way, I just look. Kentucky's eleven and one at home. So, yeah, another hard week for Kansas for sure. We'll see what they do, but it'll be hard. Well, Wyatt, I can't wait to listen to your call. It's going to be a 7 o'clock pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off here on K-Man of the Cats taking on 14th-ranked Iowa State. It is a top-15 matchup at Hilt Coliseum tomorrow night. Wyatt, have a good call. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks a lot, partner. Great being on with you, buddy. Thank you. Once again, that is the Hall of Fame voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. We'll take another break here on Wildcat Insider. Might have to break uh, protocol here on the show because I might, I might need to vent. I might need to take a few moments just to vent. It's coming up next. Phone lines are open. 537-1350 is the number. We'll have Troy Coverdale sitting next to me here in hour number two. Plus, coming up at about 520, 525-ish. K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor will join us here on the show. It's been uh, actually before Christmas, the last time we were able to talk to Gene Taylor here on the show. Again, the number is 537-1350, and I know the name of the show is Wildcat Insider, and I really appreciate Wyatt Thompson, who's on the road, joining us for a couple of segments. He's going to, I'm sure, go out to eat with the team here fairly soon and uh, and get ready to get, uh, for his broadcast tomorrow night for the Cats and Cyclones, tipping off. At 8 o'clock. Officially, tip time is 8.05. And it'll be uh, televised on ESPNU. Um, I'm, since I've been in the media and covering K-State sports since 2012, the football season 2012, um, I've learned to not melt down as much as I used to. I hardly do at all. I, you know, a loss is a loss. I get over them a lot easier than I used to. Um, of course, you know, as a member of the media, also, you know, working on the scores table, I can't cheer anything during games, and I'm a lot better at that. If I ever, I never go to a game as a fan anymore, but not cheering and stuff, that's kind of out of my system now. But I got to tell you, and I, and I see the fans as well, like, you know, the Cats are down 7 nothing after 1 or down 5 to Tech at halftime. A lot of meltdown reaction, knee-jerk reaction. I used to be that person as well, not really me anymore. However... If you follow me on Twitter, I about polluted your Twitter timeline with reactions to last night's NFC Divisional Playoff game between the Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers. If you haven't heard, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I get it from the da- my dad's side of the family. My dad is not a Cowboys fan, but the rest of them are, uh, including my grandpa who just passed away in August. Big Cowboys fan. That's where I get it from. I don't remember as a kid being told, listen, son, You're going to have to deal with a lot of turmoil with the Dallas Cowboys for quite some time. I've been alive for three Super Bowl victories. But Dallas has, it feels like, failed is not the right word. They've refused to get to an NFC championship game since 1996, the last time they won the Super Bowl. And then last night, who a quarterback I really believe in, in Dak Prescott, I think he's super talented And this just, it made me want to puke. That Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott last night, losing to the San Francisco 49ers 19-12. I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game, and it would be a battle. But the decision-making, the accuracy, was not 
of one of the best NFC championship teams or uh, NFC teams and championship contenders. And I think I've finally come to the realization, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm always delusional and I always think, well, this is a Super Bowl type of team. I think it's fair most of the time Dallas Cowboys are a Super Bowl kind of team. Like they're talented enough to get there. But two years in a row has the offense just been sloppy for most of the game. Last year it was the Cowboys, you know, trying to come from behind. They scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. But then on the last drive, they make absolute asses of themselves. And I, I truly think this comes down to leadership. McCarthy was working on that play for months. What a joke that was at the end of the game. An absolute joke. And Dak Prescott should have thrown four interceptions. The defense was great. San Francisco's defense was great. And what also irks me is what completely turned the game around was George Kittle making this insane catch from Brock Purdy. Football gods, this was not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> now, I will say the Big 12, I mean, great representation for the Big 12 heading to this next week. you got three former Big 12 quarterbacks that will be playing in, uh, in championship games, A- uh, AFC and NFC, with the exception of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, of course, went to LSU with Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Man, what a run for those guys. And, of course, Brock Purdy. Yeah, it's weird, right? I It doesn't make any sense with everything the Cowboys have at their disposal. The money. The facilities. That they haven't made an NFC championship game since 1996. Everything at their disposal. Nobody gets... Dan Patrick said it earlier, kind of stole my line here, but nobody covers that team more than... They're they're the most covered team in football. They're the most covered team in America. They get more attention than anybody, and that's probably, you know, that goes to, you know, like the Yankees of the NFL. They've won so many championships, and of course they don't hold the record anymore. It was them than the 49ers that had had the Super Bowl record for, for a while. Then, of course, Tom Brady comes around. But they get so much coverage, you know... With Jerry Jones's owner slash general manager, this team is never going to make it again. They're never going to make it. They're, it's just too used to winning until they get to the divisional round of the playoffs. And I still, th- I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is not a first string running back. Tony Pollard that also killed him. I think losing Tony Pollard in that game. Killed the running running attack. Killed it. And again, going back to that last play, Zeke getting just blown up after being the long snapper. The pass to the near side just gets blown up right away. What a terrible effort. Accuracy is way off. I, I keep going back to the offense. The defense was so good. I just I can't get over how bad that fourth quarter was. And Brett Maher, by the way, the kicker with the yips. Did make a couple of field goals. I will give him that. He scored, geez, he scored half the points last night. All right, I'm done with my venting. Done with my venting. Just had to get some things off my chest. But man, 
I went in full meltdown mode last night. I was so annoying that people had to leave the room. Because I was cussing this and cussing that. It was a terrible performance by that offense. Anyway, all right, hour two, a Wildcat Insider. We'll get back to the Cats. Cats for pretty much the rest of the hour. We'll get into the Big 12 stuff as well, uh, including the Cats' highest ranking since being number three to open up the season in 2010-2011. Case Athletics Director Gene Taylor will join us, plus this week in the Big 12. We'll ask us anything as Troy Coverdale enters the studio when we come back on Wildcat Insider.